0: Hi there, my name's Max Gomez, and you're listening to the Miss Radio podcast. It's October 28th, 2020, which means there are only seven calendar days left to participate in the 2020 election. And that's exactly what brought Madeline Smith and I together to talk about voting, sharing our thoughts about why it's important, what it means to participate in it, and why everybody seems to be talking about it so much this year, including us, apparently. So without any further ado, this is Talk the Vote. Get it? Like Rock? Trust me, it was just as painful to make that pun as it was for you to hear it. Anyway, I hope you enjoy listening just as much as we enjoyed making it.
1: But yeah, so let's uh let's talk about let's do voting.
0: It. Yeah, let's do this. We don't really have a set no. Who's the host? You're the host? You're I'm the, the host. host? Who's the host? You're the host? We're the hosts. <laughs> this is just kind of a... It's a joint thing. There's no set plan here. I mean, I apparently have a little bit of one, but...
1: <laughs> yeah, you have a, a, a swift outline. Um, so I'm going to let you lead this conversation. Okay. Yeah.
0: Well, we're here to talk about voting. We're here to talk about why it's so important to vote this year. And with any luck, I'll be able to finish my three-hour drive home tomorrow in time to edit it and put it out tomorrow night, which would be exactly a week before the 2020 election on November 3rd. And so we're going to talk a little bit about voting. I know uh, civic engagement is very important to you. Yes. Um, I'm Trying to think of which way I want to go first. I'll just start with in general. Yeah. Why is voting so important? I know you think it's important. Why is it important?
1: Oh, my God. There's so many reasons. I'll, I'll open the can of worms. I'll open them.
0: Yeah, let's do it.
1: To me, voting is so important because democracy depends on it. It's a system that's built to rely on this pool of information from everybody involved in order to appropriately run. So mm-hmm. the system is built. It's dependent on the voting. You know, another huge form of that, a caveat to that is that it's really it's dependent on informed voting, which is a whole right. other thing that we'll, we'll get to. And they've made it real difficult for us. They have just tried so <laughs> hard for us to not be able to do that easily. And part of that I think is intentional. And another part is that the system is so big now and it mm-hmm. would be difficult even if it was um, benevolent and altruistic mm-hmm. and, and things like that. I also think voting is incredibly important because it is our voice and i have a complex about my voice um not not my actual voice but like being uh. heard so i feel like that one's really near and dear to my heart like that reason and it's also important when you care about your community you know i am not just voting for myself i am voting with other people in mind and my vote impacts other people and I really try to think of the interdependence um, mm-hmm. of voting, you know, it's it's not just for me as an individual, it is is for my community. So I could talk forever about the importance of voting.
0: <laughs> so that actually brings up an interesting point that I remember being introduced to this idea a while ago, and then I had never thought about voting in this way. Is the idea behind it that we should all vote in our own best interests? And then in that, we will get a general sense of what issues are going to be beneficial to the most amount of people because everybody's voting in their own best interest. Or is it in a looking at the ballot, the things you have to say in whether it people or policies, whatever it is you're getting to vote on that you vote in what you can determine is the best interest of the most amount of people. Where do you stand on that one?
1: Yeah, no, that's such a great question. And it actually is a great segue to something I think a lot is that why culturally, why do we treat voting as a solitary act? You know, I think that voting should be a communal engagement. And I think Mm -hmm. there should be discourse around it. And, you know, I would prefer to, you know, set up a table with all my friends pre COVID. And, um, (laughs) you know, get our ballots out and talk about the propositions. And, hash out okay well that's your perspective but this is how this proposition impacts me and Mm -hmm. then based on those really um engaged conversations i think people can walk away and then it's up to you and your morals and ethics and conscience but you know at the at the end of the day i think i really i treat it kind of like if something doesn't impact me i try to find out who it will impact and ask their opinion. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I think that's a good way to think about it, too, because looking at it the way I propose the question to you makes it seem like every single one of those is going to have a big impact on you, and so you should vote in your best interests. I think in that sense, if that were true the way ballots worked, then it would make sense for us all to vote in our best interests. But there are things on there, plenty of which will not really affect me that much at all. Right. And in that case, I you know kind of see it as my responsibility to look at, well, who will it impact? And what seems like the best way to vote based on, you know, based on that, will it improve their quality of life? Will it diminish it?
1: Right. Because what a lot of people don't realize is it doesn't impact you directly, but it will definitely impact you indirectly. Mm -hmm. And a lot of stuff doesn't impact me because I'm a white cisgendered female that lives in a middle class home. Mm -hmm. You know, I probably shouldn't be voting for myself. (laughs)
0: I mean, I think if that were, yeah, if that were truly the case, there would be a lot of things I just wouldn't end up voting on at all because I think there is a lot of things on there. I am not a rideshare driver, used and yet, yet I am getting don't a vote say. Yes on that. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, we can well, <laughs> podcast wasn't intended to tell people how they should vote. Sorry, guys, research.
1: I re- I redact my um my political plug.
0: <laughs> yeah, go just go do your research, please. Don't vote based on what the ads say. Don't don't take it at face value. That's all we're here to say. That's it. So, yeah, to kind of jump in on, you know, my answer to that initial question, why is it important to you? Um, you know, rights in general, not just voting, rights are like muscles and you use them or you lose them. If we all stop voting, then we're going to create this culture of not voting is normal. Right. And that just leaves the people in power to continue to do whatever they want. We, we would lose the right to vote if we all stop doing it. Exactly. Um, and I think kind of going along with uh, voting on the best interests of, you know, who it's going to impact the most, whether it be a particular policy or a person. Um, You know, there are a lot of people who don't have the right to vote currently. Uh, And, you know, there are a lot of people whose, you know, the forces that be are are trying to suppress their vote as much as possible, whether it be with restricted polling locations or right now in our COVID world, like one single ballot box for an entire district. And the fact that it is relatively easy for me to vote, I've already done it, that's so much more responsibility on my vote because some people don't have that right now, you know?
1: Absolutely. I hadn't even thought about it that way. I've just been so mad that voter suppression has been so high this election, but you just made a really valid point that the people that do have easy access and do have privilege in that sense, like they have an added responsibility to get those in early and get those counted. And really think outside themselves when they're filling out those ballots and that's incredibly true
0: if you live in california track your ballot that's the thing i got my confirmation text my friends can tell you i was stressing out like the day maybe two days between when i dropped i dropped it off at the (laughs) elections office it's not like i wasn't sure it was going to be counted but i was still like but the thing it hasn't said that it's been accepted yet like oh my god what if it doesn't like what if it anyway i got the text two days later i'm all good
1: you're like oh my god I I don't know
0: (laughs) I was very concerned about it I so I sat out 2018 Mm -hmm. blue wave in congress because I was three months into peace corps service and I just didn't want to do the work of mailing in the ballot from where I was I had a lot of friends who did and I posted a couple things about people going out to vote Um, and I guess part of that is like it was harder for me at that moment, and. I decided it wasn't important enough for me to do it. I wish that I had not made the decision, but things seemed to work out okay anyway.
1: Yeah, Max, do you want um, to unpack that? How do you feel about that decision now?
0: I mean, again, I don't think... I Actually, I don't know what was on the ballot in California in 2018, so I'm not sure how I would feel about it. But like, as far as uh, the, the people who I would have been voting for then, I mean, California pretty deep blue. So I wasn't super concerned that i was going to be taking away votes from somebody who really really needed them yeah so
1: where were you where were you a peace corps volunteer i was in ukraine okay cool
0: yeah and like i said clearly not too hard to vote from there because i had plenty of friends who did Mm -hmm. but again i guess that like that's an instance of uh you know it was harder for me it's harder for some people to vote depending on where you are and that's i think kind of a foreign thought if you've never if it's always been like yeah i walk in i show my id i vote like you don't think much about it but the the truth is that it's not that easy for everybody depending on where you live
1: right and also it kind of shows you how human nature just with how much stimuli we have going on if there's Mm -hmm. i think there's probably like a critical mass number of thresholds that people are willing to break through before they they decide that something's not worth it so Mm -hmm. you know yours was being in another country Somebody else, it might be, you know, 15 hours in a polling line. It's just like a critical mass of thresholds before you're like, you know what? What is one tiny voice going to do? <laughs> a lot. <laughs> Absolutely.
0: Um, oh, another note I had here that I didn't even think about is something that I'm thinking a lot about now as I'm voting is along the lines of what we're saying. People who don't have that right currently uh, would be, you know, growing up in and now once again living in Salinas, um, undocumented immigrants. Oh, my God. They make up a huge population of Salinas and they uh, they don't have the right to vote. They don't get to choose who's in power in Salinas and the people who are making decisions that affect their lives directly. Yeah. And so so that's something I'm I'm thinking a lot about being a voter in Salinas.
1: Yeah. Just the like this whole 2020 for for pop- populations like that specifically. I mean, covid essential workers and then the fires and the smoke. I mean there's so much policy behind all of the work they do that doesn't incorporate them at all. Mm -hmm. But, um, yeah, I mean, huge population there, like Salinas salad bowl of the country, you know, Mm -hmm. such important, even not for their productivity, like moving away from like the capitalist obsessed Mm -hmm. model of, you know, you are what you, your value is in what you produce Mm
0: -hmm. just
1: human to human. Yeah. Great community. (laughs) they deserve rights
0: yeah don't think that should be a very radical point of view
1: No, me either
0: they're human i'm a human i think we both deserve like uh a basic standard of living yeah that i don't think they have
1: no they don't but it'd be neat if they did
0: yeah wouldn't that be nifty anyway that's why i vote
1: and that's it and rap no i'm kidding yeah
0: <laughs> um so i did want to move on to I mean, I, and we've kind of been touching on this. We've been giving reasons why it's so important, but is there any particular reason why voting is so important to you? I'm thinking student council. I'm thinking, you know, as an elected representative of a body of people, you know, why, w- why was it important to you that a lot of your, you know, constituency had a say in that? You know, why, why might that be important?
1: Um, great question, Max. Coming from the mindset of student council president, i think leadership is a service role Mm -hmm. and i've just always been i've always cared about people enough and i've always felt brave enough to advocate for others um Mm -hmm. you know i i just love people and Mm -hmm. i i feel like i have a pretty good sense of justice in my heart and Mm -hmm. um It's important to me that people vote and it's important to me that everyone's voice counts. That's really what Mm -hmm. it is. And I think that it's important because it's an honest reflection of what people want and honesty and like, like reality are really important to me. Mm -hmm. I don't like if that presidential election for student council had gone differently and I had lost, I would have been okay because that's what people honestly wanted. Mm -hmm. And I still would have been super involved and I still would have been like, okay, well, I'm for a different position or whatever. Um, did that answer your question?
0: <laughs> it did, and, and actually you touched on something that is kind of my thought about it. Um, should I run for student council next year? Should I end up finding myself drawn towards politics further down the road? Is that, let's say I run for a position and 10%, 20% of the constituency vote. You know, I, I wouldn't feel great about that. I would want to know that the people I am there to represent supported me as well. Because if not, then I would, you know, if I'm not an accurate representation of what the people I am to represent want, then I don't want to represent them. Right. And so, you know, I think we hear, especially in the the presidential race, I am going to be a president, not just for those who vote for me, but those who vote against me, I think it's a very important thing to state. Right. But it's not even about that, because if only 20% of people vote, you know, then it's like, we don't even know what people wanted. And how do you get an accurate gauge of, of how to represent a people if You can't hear them through the democracy that is currently in place to give them a a voice.
1: Right. Where do you go from there? You know, because then you're just (laughs) shooting in the dark. Right. And I feel like I can relate to that one a lot. Having been in this role, it's really hard to authentically feel like you're representing a, a body of people if nobody's engaging. Mm -hmm. And so you do just feel like you're shooting in the dark. And I mean, right now it feels so burdensome because I think we've been in this cycle of it not being a super public discourse. You know, Mm -hmm. my first election was 2008 and I got to vote for Barry and it was amazing. Um, But even then I wanted to talk to my best friend at the time's family about who they were voting for. And they said, we don't talk about that. It's so rude. Why would you ask that? And I was like, mm. what? Like, yeah. you know, so like culturally, I think we're, I think the 21st century is, is really a turning point for the cycle we've been in of like, that's a rude topic. That's somebody's private yeah. stuff.
0: I think that that definitely kind of rolls right into what I really wanted to get to talk about today which is people are talking about it more now than I have ever seen Mm -hmm. not that I have been in tune with it too much I would say maybe the last five six years but especially within the last years when I started paying very close attention to politics Mm -hmm. but I was I was aware for the last like I said five or six years Mm -hmm. my first election was 2016 Why do you think that we're seeing it so much this year? I mean, in people who I've never really seen talk about politics much at all saying like, look, here's my ballot, like I voted, all that stuff.
1: Mm -hmm. I think Donald Trump's presidency has blown open the weaknesses of our democracy. And I think people are scared. There's so much at stake. Besides this election and our sense of democracy, the, the climate, I mean, there's a lot of stuff on the line that I think people are reaching their breaking point in terms mm-hmm. of where they're willing to compartmentalize it and shut off. I think it's also trendy, which I'm not mad about. If there's anything that's going to be trendy, I would, I love that it's this
0: mm-hmm.
1: also this, you know, it's so crazy that COVID happened this year and, and that you know, the black lives matter movement f- blew up and, and all of these things. I feel like we're in this pressure cooker of a year and I think that people are just more aware of how much faith we've had in common decency. Mm-hmm. Maybe? Um, yeah. But there's a lot on the line for a lot of people and I'm not going to lie. Like I think white people are finally feeling things that marginalized communities have felt for a long time. You know, white right. people are experiencing voter suppression. White people are experiencing riots, white people are experiencing all these things. And while I am one of those white people who, you know, I'm condemning myself in this, but, um, (laughs) like white people finally waking up, um, I think has a big part of it. Mm -hmm. So
0: I think that, um, I believe it's code switch, um, did an episode on like, why now white people, like, why do you care about racial injustice this year? And I mean, there's a whole host of things to look into on that. A big reason I figured originally that they did mention is that uh, because of the pandemic, because we're all just sitting at home, getting frustrated, all of a sudden, here's something to vent our frustration at. Mm -hmm. It's not that it necessarily started with a place of, well, now I care about this. It was just, like I said, you know, like a place to direct frustration. And then, you know, hopefully from that genuine concern for the movement grew. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, you touched on something there that that I definitely want to uh, say something about about it being trendy and that maybe people are doing it just because, well, everybody's posting about voting. I'm going to post about voting. Mm -hmm. And I think on social media we get definitely tied up in looking at like, well, this person doesn't even really care about this. They're just doing it because it's trendy. Mm -hmm. I'm cool with that. In this instance, I am totally cool if right? you don't care about voting but you did it anyway yeah. and you are posting about it and you are by you know proxy encouraging everybody who follows you to go do it as well. That's great. I'm totally fine with that. Here for it. Thank you <laughs> social media for help making that a trend. And and that's kind of another point that I think social media really woke up to the fact that they had a hand, a huge hand in 2016 and yeah. what happened there. And there is very few popular social media sites that I can think of that now even uh discord even discord has a thing at the top that's a little banner about voting and here's how to register or something like that um and I think that's a lot born of the self-awareness that they grew of like we have such a huge hand in the way these things go now this we are how people get their information and because they are so scared of being called out for censoring people they're like well at least what we can do is encourage people to register and make sure that they vote. Yeah. So I'm very here for that. Thank you, social media, for that. You've got a lot to answer for. You're, you are you know, a good step in the right direction towards making reparations for a lot of the harm that you've done.
1: Um, but I love hearing what you said about Discord because, I mean, the gaming community is huge. And the amount that's of... True. That's it's true. huge. And the amount of time that's spent on those systems, you know, just having that thing you know we're visual and spatial creatures right so Mm -hmm. i mean if you like think about when you have the little notifications on your phone or something Mm -hmm. it it like registers in your brain until you go through it so like just knowing that they've put that little thing there for awareness it's going to bring it into your consciousness like even as you're playing your game so i think that that's really cool that discord did that
0: yeah yeah Oh, another thing. I don't know. I just had this loose point. I don't even know how I'm going to rope this one in because it's like loosely connected to this. But for the first time in there, I don't know how many year history, Time Magazine does not have the word Time written across the top. It has the word Vote.
1: Yeah. Oh, my God. I love that.
0: Um, And I I really do see this as a way of many organizations who do their best to be apolitical Mm -hmm. to... Uh, be more political you know without being overt about it it's just like well we can tell people to go vote because as we've seen um i can't say this without being political but like the majority of this country rip. is not voting republican yeah if we can drive up voter turnout everywhere yeah then hopefully the states that are the ones what is it, like six swing states who basically control our national politics mm-hmm. uh can be overcome in those
1: areas. Yeah, and that's that's been that's just factual, you know. Like it's not there. We go. It's just facts. I don't really understand why the Electoral College still exists per se, but
0: there was an incredible uh, episode of The Daily on that last week. Yeah, talking about I mean why it existed in the first place, which makes a lot of sense. Yeah, and I, I mean I didn't know anything about the history of the Electoral College, but it was you know we didn't have TV. Yeah, we didn't have you know we weren't constantly aware of what's going on in washington and what our president was doing so these you know areas of people would have somebody to go elect the president for them which makes a lot of sense if you're in a town and the stream of information from dc to your small town and wherever usa that's not as strong as it is nowadays we don't they didn't have 24-hour news channels so you would have somebody to go there and vote on behalf of your area that makes a lot of sense to me mm-hmm. nowadays we are being bombarded with information about what is happening there. Don't think that's a bad thing. I don't no. think that's a bad thing at all. Yeah. So it, it's we're finding it that's a little bit more outdated, I think.
1: Yeah, we should probably update that just like we should update the minimum wage and other stuff.
0: <laughs> uh, you know, and if if the Electoral College was still aligning itself with a majority of people in this country then, I, then there would be no problem with it, I don't think. And I know that there is a push now to allow that to happen yeah. so that, you know, an entire state's delegates do not have to vote with the majority of that state is that it can actually be broken up by population. Mm-hmm. But that's not how it is. When the majority of voters in an election by 3 million,
1: mm-hmm.
0: 3 million more people voted for Hillary Clinton and the electoral college stood in the way of, the the will of the people yeah in that case yeah um there's a problem there
1: total huge ridiculously glaring problem to circle back to social media for a second i think that the i want to i want to play devil's advocate a little bit just so like i mean there's a plethora of information but i think you also have to be careful about the source Because social media is great for, for spreading that message and for people doing it, that it's trendy and all this kind of stuff. But I have some friends and I'm trying to be apolitical. um, Uh I have some friends who find these things online that just aren't true and they send it to me and they're like, see, this is what I'm talking about. And I'm like, where is this source from? So I'm curious what you think about that edge of the sword, of the social media sword.
0: I mean, I think that now more than ever in human history, media literacy is a, a vital skill. It is, it is a, a skill that is, um, I think, necessary for us to continue as a society, at least here in the United States, because that's what I can speak on, because I see that one up close, mm-hmm. um, but I assume it is similar for other countries as well the ability to, to look, you know, at, at something you found online and ascertain whether it is or is not uh, like how much bias is placed on the information that you're seeing, mm-hmm. you know, always looking at what is the site that I'm getting this from, you know, who is the person that I'm hearing this from. And I think that is something that we, we need to learn to do better.
1: Yeah. And I think that's for everybody. You know, I, I try to be super well-informed and like, really look into all of that before i reshare or or whatever a piece of information mm-hmm. but i mean i'd be lying if i said i haven't gotten caught up and been like fact-checked by a friend who was like yo maddie and i'm like oh my god i got caught
0: yeah um
1: so i think that I that's mean- just like an everyday
0: and confirmation bias is, is real. You know, we want to find things that make us feel like we are correct in what we already believe. Mm-hmm. And that is something we, you know, you constantly have to fight. You know, when I'm seeing articles that I agree with, I need to like look at who's saying it, who's paying for this, you know, do I trust them? We got to be very aware of that. And it's hard to fight. And we will absolutely be victim to it from time to time, yeah. despite our best efforts.
1: Exactly. Yeah. You have a bullet point on this little structure you've sent me um, mm-hmm. about privilege.
0: This was a particular friend of mine who I have a quote in here that, you know, I'm tired of seeing all these votes about vote or these posts about voting on social media and everything so political. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I can't wait for January for, for everything to just kind of settle down again. Again, assuming Biden wins.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: We're all hoping that the polls are showing that we are learning that we cannot trust the polls. As per 2016, that's why we're all still talking about going out and voting. Mm -hmm. Don't relax. Don't rely on the polls. Go vote. But, uh, you know, hoping that Biden wins, assuming that Biden wins, can't wait for January for things to just settle down and be less political. And what I hear in that was that there's a lot of privilege in what what was just said to me. Mm -hmm. Um, and, And one of the first things that comes to mind is that this person was female. What would female suffragists say to you say to you who is so tired of seeing people talking about voting and how they need to go vote and you are almost you know exhausted with that privilege that you have yeah you know what, what yeah where do you what do you think
1: i think i think that bridges the conversation to a, a, a like a much more macro meta perspective mm-hmm. that i have which is In everything that you do, think about those who came before you Mm -hmm. and think about those who will come after you. Mm -hmm. And so I think that, I think a lot of people have that perspective as um, like a coping mechanism for stress. But I also do think that sometimes, at least that's my experience. But then Mm -hmm. I do have the people in my life who genuinely are just like, whatever it doesn't and are, you know, it doesn't matter and are coming from a place of privilege. Mm-hmm. And I think that's exactly what it is. I think it's privilege. And I think privilege is a hard thing to explain to people with privilege. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's a, it's a, it's a touchy subject and it's a hard thing to call out. But if you have found any ways to like subtly and successfully and productively, call out privilege when you experience things like that I'd be curious to hear like what was your response to that friend
0: um you know it was something along the lines of what I just said but less direct Mm -hmm. I think (laughs) I know to my less political friends I seem like you know I'm always like reading things about it posting things about it you absolutely are the same way (laughs) and that in many ways I am often emotional about it in some way I'm angry about something or I'm really distressed about some violation of human rights and that that is just such a uh you know that they, they don't want to engage in that because oh my gosh it looks like he's just mad all the time and, and that's not how I want to be you know I'm mm-hmm. I want to be chill right where it's like you know my response to that is I, I don't want to be mad all the time
1: mm-hmm.
0: but I see things that I don't know any other way to feel and If we're not engaging with it, then who will? A couple posts that I also see shared to this exact argument is that, you know, I'm just not political is a great way of saying like my rights as a human being are not up for debate every four years. Right. That is a great post that I've seen shared all over.
1: I think that's a very eye opening one. And Mm -hmm. I think that um, I really resonate with what you said about your friends perceiving you to be like the emotional one about politics. Mm -hmm. My whole life, people have been like, Maddie, you were like, you were just on one. I don't know if that is like a heightened ability to empathize or, or what it is or like a higher relation to a sense of injustice or what. But mm-hmm. um, like you said, I, I don't know how else to respond. And it's hard for me to fathom or to understand that other people aren't like that. And so I think that I think it comes down to like what people choose to fight for. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it's just to the people listening to this, this is just something we really all need to fight for. Like Mm -hmm. this is our collective experience and there are so many resources out there that help with the process. There's a plethora of information there's trainings i mean there are people out there doing the work for you and all you need to do is find it and do your part
0: (laughs) to bring it all back around to something more surface level and voting 2020 it's like i said hopefully a week before the election by the time you hear this but it might be six days because i know i'm gonna have a lot more time on wednesday to edit Mm
1: -hmm.
0: shooting for tomorrow though you got this Do you have any last, like a final, final words to share with somebody to encourage them? Here's why we're talking about it so much. And here's why you need to go do it. Because that's why we're putting this out.
1: Yeah, no, I just encourage everyone, if you feel overwhelmed by voting, if you feel like you don't have time, um, you know, it is worth making time and there are resources out there. And maybe just ask a friend you know i think that it's really great to normalize this as a conversation and make it seem less daunting because we're Mm -hmm. all confused by the verbiage we're all confused by you know (laughs) everything on the ballot so you know i think i think that it's something totally worth doing and we should all do it everybody go vote there's so many ways
0: yes i definitely agree with Well, I agree with all what you said, but go, you know, find those people you can talk to about it. Go do a little bit of reading. Don't just vote based on ads. Please do not do that. Look up a voter guide. Look up 10 of them. Look up 20 of them. There's a whole bunch. And look at the reasoning for why they say yes or no, or this person or that person, and make those decisions for yourself, because that's how our democracy works.
1: Yeah, exactly. It's exactly how it works. So thanks, everyone. Thanks for tuning in.
0: Well, there you have it, folks. If you haven't voted yet, I hope we convinced you to, and uh, if you have, then I hope you gained a new perspective or two from hearing our conversation. If you didn't, well, thanks for sticking around till the end anyway. Thanks to everyone for sticking around, for that matter. The song I used at the intro, and I'm now playing you out on, is titled Hyperspace by the artists Try, Sam I, and Schmuck the Loyal. I feel like this is the part where I'm supposed to say I don't have the rights to this song, but hey, we're not making any money off this podcast, so I think it's fair game, right? Hopefully no one gets sued. Anyway, thanks again for listening. My name is Max Gomez, and I hope to see you on our next episode of the Miss Radio Podcast.